Welcome to the Scoop and School podcast. Do they worry you at all? Are you worried? You ridiculous morgon. Hi, boy. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Your host, Stephen Kahn. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to week nine of the college football season. I've got to start off with two apologies. Uh, first and foremost, I have to apologize to everyone who's been backing my bets. Now, I know there are quite a few of you out there that are fading me and, you know, reverse your welcome to those of you. Uh, but anyone anyone back in the bets, we're, we're off to a tough start. But if you remember last year, uh, we finished 9-1 and one on Championship Saturday to get us in a plus money for the year. I think we're going to do that again this year. Maybe not even quite as dramatic. I think we start to bounce back right away here. But uh, at 6-10 and 10 on the year after last week's 1-3 performance. And I mean, we had Iowa State on the back door. Um, depending on what line you had that Miami game, uh, Virginia came in hardcore on the back door. Notre Dame, I, I have to say, I was happy to be very wrong about that one all the way through. But just a couple uh, couple really tough ones uh, late in the fourth quarter with, with meaningless scores uh, by a couple underdogs to sneak in there. So uh, so I, I am sorry for that, and I'm going to do my best to be better uh, from here on out. Uh, and I'll get to I'll get to those picks. We're gonna have a big bounce back with six picks uh, going into week nine. So I'll get to those a little later. My second apology is to the entirety of Coastal Carolina University. Here's what happened. I learned uh, the before the podcast. I made sure I learned how to pro- properly pronounce their mascot's name. Um, it's spelled uh, C H A is how it starts. So a lot of people were saying Chanticleers. I learned that it was not Chanticleers, that it was Chanticleers. But between the time I learned that and the time that I recorded this podcast, I knew the vowel wasn't an A sound. And instead of going with the O, I went with the I. I said Chanticleers. That's certainly wrong. It's Chanticleers. You want to go Chants for short. Um, and and I, I am sorry to, to both the university for being incorrect and also to you, the listener, for breaking your trust of providing you good information. So Coastal Carolina, uh, they are the Chanticleers, Chants for short, and uh, and I am sorry. But but now that we're through the apologies, let's get into the football. Um, last Friday night, Wisconsin opened up the season for the Big Ten uh, with a 45-7 to win against Illinois. Graham Mertz, uh, quarterback, you know, high four-star recruit, uh, better than than the guys that Wisconsin is usually able to pull in. He goes 20 for 21 for 248 yards and five touchdowns. The only incompletion, uh, just an absolute drop on a dump-off pass. Um, and it's an interesting situation there because last year um, I, I – spoke a little bit about Mertz and whether or not he would ever take over for Cone. And, you know, Cone played well enough to keep the job. And is that the kind of thing that kept them from beating Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship for game, for example? Uh, you know, we'll, we'll never know, but it's certainly uh, a possibility and something that Wisconsin fans definitely questioned. Cone probably would have started again this year, but was injured to start the season. And that's why Mertz uh, got the opportunity and obviously looked great doing it. Um, the bad news is that there are reports out there that he then tested positive uh, for COVID-19 the, uh, the very next day after the game on Saturday. 
And he'll now have another test to kind of uh, see if that was potentially a false positive uh, and, and certainly hoping for the best with him. But if he is uh, ultimately deemed to be a, a positive test case, given the really strict rules in the Big Ten, he's going to miss the next three games at a minimum for Wisconsin. And, and given that, you know, these are only eight game seasons uh, for the Big Ten, this is just why I think there's got to be a lot of concern about the entire conference, whether or not uh, they're going to be able to get enough on paper in, in order to really compete for the playoff. Uh, right now, hopefully it's just an isolated incident. Um, but this is the kind of thing where if if there was a breakout that we saw at, say, Florida or Notre Dame or North Carolina or some of these other schools where 10, 15, 20 guys are in isolation and they all have to miss three games, that's, th that's three games that an entire team is going to be unable to play, and that's three opponents that aren't going to be able to play either. So I just think it's going to be really challenging for the Big Ten uh, to get through this entire year. But uh, again, this, it's the only case we've heard of so far, so hopefully things can stay that way uh, and all the necessary precautions are being taken and everyone is staying safe. Uh, because if Saturday was any indication, we are certainly going to want to make sure that the Big Ten keeps playing football. With the Saturday action, nowhere else to start than in Bloomington, Indiana, with Penn State visiting the Hoosiers. Um... If you look at the stats from this game, time of possession, Penn State over 40 minutes, Indiana under 20 minutes. Total yards, Penn State 488, 211 for Indiana. Game like this, in order for something crazy to happen, it's got to be, you know, a really lopsided turnover situation. Not the case here. Penn State had three, uh, uh, Indiana had two. But one stat that is not normally kept is number of times you scored a touchdown that gave your opponent a chance to come back and win the game and if we were keeping that stat it's Penn State 1 and Indiana 0 um just to run through the entire game here Indiana up 17 to 7 at the half led 20 to 14 late in the fourth quarter so it's this was no fluke they were they were leading this game throughout the majority uh 3 minutes left Penn State gets the ball at their own 26 and it takes three plays and 44 seconds for them to travel 74 yards for a touchdown. They take the lead 21-20, uh, a quick uh, four and out turnover on downs for Indiana. Gives Penn State the ball at the 14-yard line with a minute 44 remaining. It's a situation if they get a first down, they're going to be able to run out the rest of the clock. Uh, and instead, on the very first play, they running back uh, Devin Ford breaks through the line of scrimmage. You can see as he's approaching the goal, goal line, he sort of looks towards the sideline, kind of tries to stop himself, but then scores. You know, I don't know if it was a situation where someone was yelling from the sideline. Um, no matter what there, if, if you're James Franklin, you need to make sure your team knows we do not want to get in the end zone. We have to go down short of the end zone, especially when Indiana is not even trying to make a tackle. Um, clearly something is wrong if your path to the end zone is that easy. Um, but Devin Ford don't feel too bad because uh, NFL All-Pro Todd Gurley did the exact same thing maybe 18 hours later uh, that led to a loss for the Falcons. Pretty amazing. We saw two of these uh, in the same weekend, one at the college and one at the NFL level. But back to the action. Indiana then still has to uh, score a touchdown and get the two-point conversion to force overtime. 
They're able to do that. Seven plays, 75 yards, plus the two. They left 19 seconds on the clock for Penn State. And at this point, you think we're going to overtime. Well, the Indiana kickoff traveled 14 yards and was recovered at Indiana's 49-yard line. This, I, I don't understand. I mean, there's no real reason to do a squib. It just blast it here. Um, squibs, I, I never understand why squibs are ever a good idea. Um, the coach here was clearly yelling at the kicker, and the kicker was uh, very upset with himself. So I don't know if, obviously, the execution was terrible. But who knows, he might have just gone rogue on the idea um, itself. But either way, really terrible kick. Uh, Penn State promptly runs for nine yards, gets to the 40-yard line. At this point, they can either kick a 57-yard field goal for the win uh, or run another play with eight seconds left. I'm not sure why you can't run a play here. You see this all the time in college. Um, you can pretty much run a six-yard out anytime you want uh, in this kind of situation with the uh, coverage probably, you know, playing off off the line of scrimmage quite a bit so you can get six yards you can make this a more manageable field goal instead James Franklin decides to kick the 57 yarder it comes up about eight inches short then we go to overtime you've probably seen it at this point each team scores a touchdown Indiana scores second they decide we're going for the win we're going for two Michael Penix Jr. rolls out to his left completely throws his body at the pylon, sneaks the ball across the goal line before it touches out of bounds. Incredibly close play. Had to go to review. They were not able to overturn it. Really just as exciting a game as you can ask for. I love to see Penix just completely sell out. So many times you'll see a quarterback trying to get the edge. The edge isn't really there. And they essentially, their body just won't really allow them to sacrifice their, themselves the way that Penix did in this one. Um, and he just completely, you know, puts his arm out, fully extends, and just launched himself at the pylon and was rewarded for it. Absolutely, um, absolutely love to see it. Really tough blow for Penn State. Again, uh, I I feel like James Franklin, such a great job uh, in terms of taking over this Penn State program from Bill O'Brien um, after Bill O'Brien really kind of uh, helped them get through a lot of the post-Sandusky uh, sanctions and things like that. But James, James Franklin doing a great job with this program, but in-game management seems to hurt the team so often. Uh, again, not letting Devin Ford know he absolutely can't score a touchdown in that situation. And then attempting the 57-yard field goal with eight seven second with eight seconds, excuse me, left on the clock. And for that reason, James Franklin is this week's DeBraga meathead of the week. That's right, folks. You never know when the product placement is coming. And here we have the meathead of the week, DeBraga.com, folks. I've told you, you got to go to DeBraga.com. Or if you're in New York, New Jersey, Philly, or Southern Connecticut, get yourself to local.debraga.com if you want, you know, free shipping, some lower prices, a little bit more of a limited uh, menu of items, but still really good stuff. But debraga.com, I mean, this is high quality meat. We're talking about the kind of products you'd get at four-star restaurants. We're talking places like Jean-Georges, Danielle, Tao. You just can't you're not getting into these restaurants right now, especially with the pandemic. Go to debraga.com, get these meats. Listen, I don't care if you're out in San Diego and you're bragging every weekend about your barbecue situation and what a great job you're doing. I don't want to hear it. Until you go to debraga.com and you get these finest quality products, 
then your barbecue is nothing. It's nothing. I don't want to hear about it. It's Mickey Mouse barbecue that you're doing out for fun in your backyard. Get the good stuff, then I'll respect your barbecue. And I look forward to hearing about uh, the reviews once you do it. Listen, if you're if you're heeding my advice here, you're deciding to step up to the big leagues and get the good stuff, use promo code SCOOP. That's S-C-O-O-P. You're going to get 15% off your first time using the code. One more time, that is Debraga, D-E-B-R-A-G-G-A. It's really, really good stuff. Let's move along with the action on Saturday. Props to Syracuse for being within six points of Clemson during the second half of that game. Uh, they ended up losing by 26, but still, I, I can't say... Uh, I, got it. I was quite surprised with how that game was going. So good job by Syracuse. Also good job by Rutgers. But this in a winning effort uh, in Greg Schiano's return to the Scarlet Knights. They went to Michigan State and won 38-27 to uh, with all due respect to Mel Tucker. I think he's in a bad situation there at Michigan State. That is not a program that is necessarily supposed to be good. There's not a lot of factors that lead to it automatically being uh, a, a good program where they're going to be able to recruit really easily or anything like that. I think we, I said this, I think, in back in 2016, and it's really uh, coming to fruition here. I think Michigan State is at a point where they are going to be bad for a very long time. Um, so, I don't know if there are any Spartan fans that listen to this podcast. If there are, I'm sorry about that. But uh, I just think it's going to be a tough road here for quite a while. But hey, on the bright side, I said that about Penn State in 2016, and they uh, immediately went to the Rose Bowl. So that's something to look forward to if uh, if you just want to bet against my opinions. Alabama absolutely blew out Tennessee. Unfortunately, that was not the story of the game. Uh, star receiver Jalen Waddell broke his ankle on the opening kickoff, certainly seems to be out for the season. Really tough break for the kid, really tough break for the team. Uh, of course, uh, there are about 129 teams in college football that would love to uh, have Alabama's receiving core even without Jalen Waddell, uh, but still tough to go from three really explosive guys to two really explosive guys because uh, by my count, that is one less guy that you have to worry about covering. Um, so will be interesting to see. That being said, I think Alabama's in really good shape to uh, continue to move through the SEC. Ohio State uh, knocked off Nebraska 52-17. to Justin Fields looked better than ever, especially throwing sideline to sideline. Really strong arm on like deep outs. Uh, looked like he was able to throw to Olave and Wilson pretty much any time he wanted to. Um, you know, they only gave up 17 points. That being said... The defense just didn't look great. Obviously, you know, losing Chase Young and, and Jeff Okuda, you're not, you're going to take a step back. Um, but I I don't know. It just didn't look like the same dominant defense. Uh, will be interesting to see as they move through the Big Ten what some of the better offenses they face are able to do. Um, certainly an impressive performance. Uh, I, I think they're definitely up on that tier, probably with Clemson and Alabama, uh, probably comfortably at third in my rankings. But that defense just didn't seem quite as dominant as we've been used to seeing the last couple years. Um, so something to keep an eye out for there. Oklahoma State knocked off Iowa State. I mentioned it earlier with Iowa State uh, getting a late score for the backdoor cover. I didn't really see any of this game. 
But what strikes me is the Cowboys are winning with defense, which is uh, a nice change of pace. But that being said, is the offense going to be ready for some potential shootouts? Their three toughest games probably are going to be their next three. They play Texas at Kansas State and at, at Oklahoma. And I would think in at least two of those games, the offense is going to have to get into the 30s if they want to win that game. But maybe the defense can continue to step up. Um, they're doing a nice job. They're, they're holding their own. They are kind of uh, carrying the flag for the Big 12. Uh, will be interesting to see if they can keep doing it there. Iowa State, a nice performance. That's what Iowa State is going to be. They're going to hang around pretty much in every game they play. They're mostly going to lose to teams that are they're worse than. They're going to beat teams that they're better than. And, uh, and I think that's what you're going to get with Iowa State for the rest of this season. Um, going over the group of five, Cincinnati really dominated SMU from start to finish, winning 42 to 13. I had sort of written Cincinnati off as a legitimate playoff contender when they didn't uh, cover against USF. Um, but this is the kind of performance that they're going to need, and they're going to need more of these where they really crush decent teams if they want to make a run at the playoffs. And I got to say, any Cincinnati fans out there, I think you've got a real chance. Because looking at the landscape, you know, you're rooting against Oklahoma State. And that could completely knock out the Big 12. And looking at the SEC right now, are we sure they're getting two teams in? Are we sure that Georgia is going to run the table? Even if if Georgia goes, say, what, they're playing, I think, a nine-game SEC schedule. So that would be seven, that would be eight and one. And then they lose again to Alabama in the SEC championship. They're eight and two. Are we sure they're get, getting in over an undefeated Cincinnati if they've already lost to Alabama twice? Um, so I'm just not sure a second team from the SEC is a lock to get into the playoff. Um, ACC, I certainly don't see uh, a clear path for two teams there. Uh, and, and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are going to have their own issues just with number of games. There are going to be spots available in this playoff. So Cincinnati has a real, real chance if they can continue to stay undefeated. Um, so something to definitely keep an eye out for there. Um, back over to the Big Ten, Michigan just smacked Minnesota 49-24. to From what I saw, just so efficient on offense. Um, Joe Milton just threw to open guys. He ran when he had to. So many times it seemed like it would be like third and four, and he was just kind of able to easily roll out and, and get the first down. Big, strong guy, hard to stop when he can just grab uh, grab those yards whenever he wants. And then on defense... That front seven with Quiddy Pay and Cam McGrone. That's going to be an attacking defense. Looks like a really, uh, really strong performance out of Michigan. Looking at it, their schedule. You know, I said that uh, last week, I said there were like three definite wins, one definite loss, and then three or four toss-up games or whatever it was. Those toss-up games are looking easier now than they did before. You know, if Graham Mertz isn't going to be playing for Wisconsin and uh, if, if Penn State's not as good as we thought, all of a sudden this could uh, this could quickly turn into a 7-0 versus 7-0 battle uh, between Michigan and Ohio State. I know I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but when I saw Michigan play and I saw Ohio State play, they looked like the two best teams in the Big Ten outside of Wisconsin, and obviously uh, Wisconsin's future a little bit up in the air right now. So something... Uh, Something that maybe uh, the fans in Ann Arbor, in Ann Arbor, can start to get uh, get a little excited about. Although, getting excited about an undefeated matchup with Ohio State, I feel like we have seen this movie before. Uh, but who knows? It's a strange year, uh, 2020. If if there was a time for Michigan to knock off Ohio State, this is 
probably the year for it. In a similar matchup to that Michigan-Minnesota game, um, we had a similar score. North Carolina bounced back from that Florida State loss to beat NC State 48-21. to uh, meanwhile, in the ACC, Wake knocks off Virginia Tech 23-16. to Hate that Wake was not one of my picks of the week. Um, but with those outcomes, feel pretty comfortable saying that the ACC race has really narrowed to four teams. It's Clemson, Notre Dame, Miami, and North Carolina. Uh, among those four teams, all of them play two out of the other three. So that could lead to a really interesting situation uh, especially let's say Clemson runs the table. You've got Notre Dame playing. Uh, Notre Dame would have lost to Clemson. Miami would have lost to Clemson. Um, and then you've got Notre Dame playing North Carolina and Miami playing North Carolina. Um, and of course, North Carolina then already has that loss to Florida State. So it's going to be sort of a round robin, if I have to guess, between Notre Dame, Miami, and North Carolina to see who ultimately gets that second spot in the ACC championship game. Um, that is, of course, assuming that none of those teams drop an unexpected game against an opponent other than each other. Speaking of Notre Dame, they certainly uh, bounced back from that pretty bad offensive performance against Louisville. They beat Pittsburgh 45-3. to Story of the game, I have to say, the defense for Notre Dame just completely dominated. Um, they were able to fully put the game away towards the end of the first half I was saying they were up 14 to 3 driving and I was saying to my friends if they if they can score a touchdown here go 20 up go up 21 3 it's over uh they were able to score then they kick off with you know just a minute plus left to pit uh force a punt with like 20 seconds left and then they block the punt um Isaiah Foskey blocks the punt picks it up in the end zone for a simultaneously uh excuse me a simultaneous scoop and score. That's a little bit of alliteration there. Tough to say. Um, but listen, just because you leisurely pick up the ball in the end zone, just because it was easy, doesn't make it any less deserving of some Chris Fowler. A scoop and score! So good job by Isaiah Foskey. Uh, that touchdown before the half really put the nail in the coffin, and it was uh, it was a blowout from there. In terms of the offense, 45 points certainly looks good. Um, I'm glad Michael Mayer is proving to be a real red zone threat. Uh, I, I am glad Ben Skoranek had two big catches for 107 yards and two touchdowns, but that's that's really what it was. It was two catches. Uh, I'm not sure why Tommy Tremble is not really involved in the passing game right now. I I, I even joked uh, that our, I'm wondering if the coaching staff is is nervous that we're going to lose him to the NFL and therefore we're we're going to try to bring in his stats a little bit uh, this season. Um, but this offense, we're we're at the point I think fans can stop counting on any production from Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsay this year. So I don't know it's been an interesting year. Um, some performances better than others, but I have to say throughout this season, my opinion of the team really hasn't changed since the Duke game. Uh, coming out of the really the first game of the season, I, I think the defense is better than I expected uh, coming into the year. Uh, but the offense is probably a little bit worse. And overall, I just I don't really see any opportunities for explosive plays on offense. Um, you know, pitch secondary is really bad. That's what that boiled down to. I think Notre Dame is a really good team. Uh, I don't think they can p- compete with those those th- probably three most elite teams in the country. But you know, we're just gonna enjoy every game we play. We're we're gonna we're gonna watch. Uh, and and we're we're one gigantic upset away from, or I guess two 
gigantic upsets away uh, between Notre Dame and Clemson um, from getting one versus number four in two weeks. That's what we've all been looking for. So that's pretty exciting. Um, and, and at that point, in a one game uh, situation, anything can happen. So that's where we are. But uh, I don't know if I'm a Notre Dame fan. I'm not too fired up about seeing a 45 on the board. I don't think this is not a different team than it was coming off of 12 points at Louisville. So that is what it is. And uh, and I guess we will see uh, as as the season goes on, if they if they can put up, you know, 50 plus against Georgia Tech, that might be a different story. Looking ahead now to that week nine, um, I got to say, we really know that college football is back because I'm looking at the slate here and there are 11 games at noon. And more importantly, maybe one of them is worth watching. That's how I know that it's really the full slate of college football is just about back. We're still waiting on the Pac-12. They don't typically play at noon anyway, although I guess this year they will be. That'll be uh, that'll be interesting for all of you body clock aficionados. Um but looking at this noon slate, the one game that's probably worth watching, Cincinnati hosting Memphis. Um, this is among Cincy's toughest games remaining on the schedule. Quarterback uh, for Memphis, Brady White, has been in college football forever. If, you, if you're really saying, man, it feels like he's been there a long time, here's just some notes. Uh, he was in the same recruiting class as Derwin James, Josh Rosen, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, Minka Fitzpatrick, Kyler Murray, Ronald Jones. These are guys who have been in the NFL long enough to like create names for themselves. You know, you, Derwin James has established himself probably as injury prone. Um, Josh Rosen has been in the NFL long enough to change teams and be labeled a bust. Kyler Murray is an MVP candidate. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick has been on multiple teams. Pretty just wild stuff. I mean, then just going a recruiting class after him, Nick Bosa and A.J. Brown, both household names in the NFL. Two recruiting classes after Brady White. We've got Cam Akers, Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, T. Higgins, Jerry Judy, Tua Tagovailoa, DeAndre Swift, and Andrew Thomas. Uh, as of this coming Sunday, all of those people will have started an NFL game. Um, so, again, if you think that it feels like Brady White has been in college forever, you are not wrong. He has been in college forever. But if you're going up against a guy who is 24 and a half years old at quarterback, you might want to be on upset alert. So watch out, Bearcats. Uh, could be a tough game going up against the Memphis Tigers. Um, also at noon, we've got BC at Clemson, which, you know, sure. I uh, That's actually one of my picks of the week. And it's, on, on one hand... Clemson hasn't, they've only beaten Georgia Tech by more than 31 points. And BC hasn't lost any game by 31 points. So I would think they'd be able to keep it close. That being said, Clemson coming off a really sloppy performance against Syracuse, they might be out for blood. So that one's a little bit scary, but I'd be scared of it at like 27 and a half. I think 31 and a half. I just can't see Clemson winning by more than four touchdowns in that one. Um, and. It's also just worth watching if you're a Notre Dame fan, uh, preparing for what's to come against Clemson and and what's to come against BC the following week. And you get to watch uh, former Notre Dame backup Phil Dracovic. So just, uh, yeah, a lot to watch there if you're a Notre Dame fan or if you're just someone who uh, wants to take the 31 and a half. Um, Michigan State at Michigan. Uh, as I've said before, this is maybe my favorite rivalry game in that it's just kind of the pettiest. Um I 
I am quite confident that Michigan State will do something to act super tough because this game is usually just marked by whoever the worst team is at the time acting the toughest and kind of looking the stupidest at the end, at the end of the game. And uh, given that I think Michigan's probably going to win this game by about 35 points, I would expect uh, Michigan State to do everything they can to try to uh, put on a bit of a show to prove that they are uh, they're not scared of Big Brother in that one. And then Georgia at Kentucky. Who knows in this one? The SEC is kind of the Pac-12 while we're waiting for the Pac-12 to start. It's just outside of Alabama, who is really good? Georgia's probably good, but uh, I don't know. That offense still leaves something to be desired and uh, will be interesting to see if Kentucky uh, can can get a little frisky in that one. I wouldn't be shocked if that one's close at half. Um, will Georgia be able to pull away late? That's sort of been their MO this season, but I would expect Kentucky to put a scare into them early over in the 330 slot uh notre dame at georgia tech this game should not be close i actually like notre dame laying the 19 and a half in this one i know i was wrong with notre dame last week but aside from that i've pretty much been spot on in terms of uh what to expect from notre dame's notre dame games this year and i just don't see why they can't win this game by 24 28 35 points even so i would lay the 19 and a half there with the irish uh we've got wisconsin at nebraska we we probably won't know graham mertz's situation until whenever wisconsin sort of announces uh their depth chart for that game uh but that could certainly be one to watch especially if mertz is unable to go and then also uh, lsu at auburn this is annually just one of the dumbest games of the year um so if you're looking for poor clock management or or some stupid play especially with everything that auburn's been through uh spiking the ball backwards um muffing that kickoff that was not they're just the beneficiary of a lot of terrible calls when they do something stupid you got to think uh, they got to pay the piper eventually i would expect some extra stupidity in this lsu auburn game at 3 30 just if uh if you want to watch something fun that really doesn't have any meaning towards the greater college football season then at four um what i would say is probably the biggest game of the day texas at oklahoma state um you know how often is this game a chance for texas to play spoiler uh but that's exactly what it is here i think it's gonna be a great test for oklahoma state's defense you know given what we've seen from the longhorns defense this year I kind of think the Cowboys are pretty much just going to be able to control possession, probably run the ball with Chuba Hubbard a lot, um, and and just kind of control the tempo of the game and get the win. This could be one where we see it in the in the high 20s as opposed to the 40s or 50s, as this rivalry has often been in the past. But with Sam Ellinger at quarterback, uh, all the talent on that Texas team, you never know. If they can get the defense figured out, they could certainly be in this one and potentially pull off the upset. But I would lean with the known commodity here and uh, and take Oklahoma State. And then uh, 7.30, there's just, I, I mean, looking at the slate, this is kind of a bummer of a slate overall. But 7.30, you've got Ohio State at Penn State. Um Given that there are no fans allowed in the stands, I don't expect this game to be close. I feel like so much of what makes Penn State at night at home tough is that crowd. There won't be a crowd. I heard something about trying to do uh, fan cutouts with fans wearing white uh, to do a whiteout. I have a feeling it's not going to be quite the same. I think 
Ohio State rolls in this one. I would actually lay the 13 and a half, although if it goes up to 14 or higher, then I think it's a, a stay away. But I think Ohio State wins this game by two touchdowns. They extend their streak of uh, Big Ten wins by double digits. You just got to hope that it's 14 and it's not 10 if you're laying that 13 and a half. Um, and then in the SEC, uh, Arkansas at Texas A&M, believe it or not, this is one of the toughest games left on Texas's Texas A&M schedule. And I was talking about whether or not there are going to be two SEC teams in the playoff. There is this path where Texas A&M is just keeps beating teams they're supposed to beat, gets to 9-1, doesn't make it to the SEC championship game, and then they're just kind of sitting there at 9-1, probably ranked like, you know, 4th, 5th, 6th in the country, with their only loss being to Alabama. So if you are a fan of a team that's hoping to sneak into the playoff, you got to be rooting against Texas A&M every single week, because um, this is something that no one's going to be talking about probably until late November, and then boom, all of a sudden, oh, look, Texas A&M is third. Um, so if you are a fan of a team that you're hoping can steal one of these playoff spots, you have to root against Texas A&M, and I think Saturday night against Arkansas is, uh, is believe it or not, one of their toughest tests, not something I thought I would have been saying just a few weeks ago. And then Missouri at Florida. Um, again, shouldn't be a close game, but Florida coming off a two-week hiatus due to COVID. Um, a lot of their players came down with the virus, so definitely uh, will be interesting to see what kind of game shape they're in if they haven't been able to work out as much and what kind of uh, how long it takes them to knock the rust off because that could certainly be a bit of a tough bounce back as we've seen. Um, but uh, but yeah, something to watch there. If, if they're at full strength, should not be a difficult game. Uh, just going over to see if I missed any of my picks. I told you Boston College plus 31 and a half, Notre Dame minus 19 and a half, and Ohio State minus 13 and a half. I also like Kansas State getting three and a half points at West Virginia. Kansas State's just been rock solid this year. West Virginia really not very good. This is one where, I don't know, it almost seems like the line is a trap. But the last time I said a line was a trap with, with Duke, North Carolina State, it turned out to just be a bad line. So sometimes you just have to trust yourself, trust that something is just a, a bad line, and go out and take advantage. So that's why I like Kansas State getting three and a half there. I like Wake Forest laying 11 at Syracuse. Uh, I, I left Wake Forest off as my last cut on the cutting room floor of last week's picks. I am trying to make up for that this week. Syracuse is really, really, really bad. Um, and Wake Forest can score points. So I see no reason why they can't, you know, put up 35 in this one. And and it's hard for me to see Syracuse scoring 24 points uh, in this game with, with their quarterback play and their lack of receivers. So definitely lay the 11 with Wake. And then lastly, we're going to the Chanticleers. Coastal Carolina laying three and a half at Georgia State. I really thought last week was the big letdown potential. Uh, their starting quarterback was unavailable in that game. They were still able to win by two scores. Um, so I, I like him in this one, whether or not he's back. Um, and, and I think there is a chance he will be back playing. But even if he's not laying three and a half, I feel comfortable that they showed they were able to avoid the letdown. They were able to play the backup quarterback and they were able to get the job done against Georgia Southern. I think they continue their tear through Georgia, knocking off Georgia State, doing it by at least a touchdown. So those are the picks. BC, Kansas State, Coastal Carolina, Chanticleers, Wake Forest, Notre Dame, 
and Ohio State. That's all I have for this week. Uh, I hope everyone uh, continues to stay healthy, stay safe, and hey, get out there and vote. That concludes the Scoop and Score podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul.